Hello and welcome to Words of Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the Book of Proverbs. Your host is Dr. Jerry Weirwall, who will share life-giving truth from Proverbs that will help us become wise and discerning. Wisdom is a journey, and we hope you will join us for this exciting adventure. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 say, Then you will say, Oh, how I have hated discipline, and my heart has spurned reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers, nor did I incline my ear to those instructing me. I was soon in all sorts of trouble in the midst of the assembly and congregation. In the verses leading up to verse 12, Solomon offers a grave warning for his son to stay away from the strange woman. In the previous episode, we looked at how Solomon expounds the dire consequences that his sons may experience if they commit adultery with another man's wife. He says, don't do it. Either, number one, lest you give your vigor to others and your years to a cruel person. Or two, lest strangers eat their fill from your strength and your hard-earned goods end up in the house of a foreigner. And three, In the end, you groan when your flesh, even your body, are used up. That's verses 9 through 11. Now, after delivering this grim warning to his son about the consequences of adultery, Solomon now proceeds to play out and enact the predicted disposition of his son if he were to commit adultery and experience the disaster and pain it will bring. Solomon portrays the regret that his son would have in three ways. His son would, one, acknowledge his depravity, two, admit his refusal of wisdom, and three, realize the inevitable punishment. Let's look at each one of these to understand a little bit more about what Solomon is trying to communicate by foretelling the ways his son would likely respond upon recognizing the devastating consequences of adultery. First, Solomon argues that his son will say, Oh, how I have hated discipline, and my heart has spurned reproof. This is in verse 12. This is a cry of lamentation, of grief and pain, where Solomon's son confesses how obstinate and rebellious he has been. He condemns himself as a recalcitrant fool who is solely responsible for the suffering he is now experiencing by his actions. We can imagine Solomon's son in anguish at all that he has suffered because of his adultery. And with a tortured and exasperated look on his face, he mutters these words. They're an admission of his own depravity. His mind was warped, his heart twisted. He says, oh, how I hated discipline, meaning that he despised teaching and instruction and his heart spurned reproof, meaning in his heart, he esteemed learning and correction as worthless. They were rubbish to him. He scoffed at wisdom and the humility to receive reproof. His mind was resolved to follow his own ways, and he needed no other to tell him how to live. The son embodies the warning that we find in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 which says, The road of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise person listens to counsel. Fools think they are right pretty much about everything. They perceive their way of living and thinking 
as superior, and therefore they have no reason to consider whether there is anything wrong with how they live or think. They're the ones that make the rules. They're the judge and the jury. And as such, they refuse to recognize any authority over them or to which they need to submit or conform to. And based on this attitude and disposition of heart, Solomon sets forth the subsequent behaviors of his son that got him into this mess. As the next stage of his confession goes, the son will admit then how he refused wisdom by saying, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers, nor did I incline my ear to those instructing me. This is verse 13. Listening to the voice of his teachers is more than the son admitting that he needed to pay attention a little more. The phrase is a Hebraic idiom that refers to complying with and implementing in one's life the instruction of the teacher. These teachers are a general reference to the people who are instructing the son in wisdom and how to live righteously and with the fear of Yahweh. The context here is not the modern idea of a school classroom. In the book of Proverbs, the primary teachers are the father, Solomon, and the son's mother, who is unnamed. Furthermore, all instruction, teaching, and discipline is always couched in terms of moral development and learning to exhibit righteous character that submits to the will of Yahweh. A second idiom is expressed here in how the son did not incline his ear to those who are instructing him. The Hebrew word translated incline literally means to stretch out. The phrase is idiomatic and suggests the notion of paying attention or yielding oneself to something or someone. To yield oneself to something or someone means to be willing to put oneself underneath and in subjection to that person or thing. Thus, the son would admit that he neglected those who were instructing him in wise living and disregarded their teaching. Now, we all probably can identify to some degree with this sort of attitude. I mean, come on, let's face it. We have all had times in our lives or in certain aspects of our lives where we think we are right and everyone else is wrong. This sort of attitude probably shows up more when we are younger and prone to being arrogant and filled with ego about ourselves and how well we can figure life out on our own. But I'm sure we can all recall a time or some time in our lives where we just didn't want to hear it. We were satisfied doing things our own way, and we gladly refused the advice from our friends, family, co-workers, and others. And in our defiant and stubborn heart, we thought we knew it all and had no need for the teachings of anyone else. In the final verse of this section, the concluding grief that Solomon's son would utter if he suffered all the consequences that Solomon foresees happening if his son commits adultery, he would say, I was soon in all sorts of trouble in the midst of the assembly and congregation. This is verse 14. Up to this point, the whole section highlights the punishment that the son would receive predominantly in terms of material and financial loss. We saw that in verses 9 through 11. But here, the son is afraid of the trouble he will be in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Well, what is this trouble that the son would be in? And who is the assembly and congregation that the son would be subjected to? 
First, the two words assembly and congregation might just be a hendiadus referring to like a whole gathering of people in general, but it's more likely that the assembly refers to a legal assembly for like a public court hearing, and the word for congregation refers to the whole community of Israel, as it does elsewhere in the Old Testament. Next, identifying the trouble that the son knows he would be in, this probably entails both a judicial punishment as well as a social punishment. Thus, the all sorts of trouble likely extends to both the personal and social aspects of the son's life. The son will not only suffer loss of property, material goods, and money, but he will also be subjected to public disgrace and loss of reputation in the broader community. The offense of adultery is not kept to matters of court only with fines and other penalties, but it is also addressed socially with public shame and most likely an announcement of the sin that was committed. Such broadcasting would certainly have far-reaching detrimental effects upon the son's family, business, and social relationships. Committing adultery can be very costly in every sense of the word. In an article entitled, Eight Reasons You Should Run, Not Walk from Infidelity, it lists these costly consequences. 1. It'll cost you your reputation. People in our culture disagree about morality, but there's remarkable agreement about one sin, infidelity. It's wrong, and everyone knows it. No one's handing out scarlet A's today, but people will find out and they will not forget, even if some are gracious enough to forgive. Number two, it might cost you your job. Most affairs start at work, and many affairs end careers. And if you're in ministry, this is a given. You're canned. You might get reinstated or hired at another church, but don't count on it. Depending on company policy, you could get the axe in all sorts of other job environments too especially if you're having an affair with a subordinate. Number three, it will cost you money. The bad thing about losing your job is that affairs are expensive. Secrecy and cover-ups come at a price. A couple thousand dollars, easy. But it won't end there. Divorce lawyers aren't cheap. If it's contested, and it probably will be, plan on fifteen or 20000 down the drain, along with roughly half your assets. And don't forget about alimony and child support. Number four, it will probably cost you your family. Two-thirds of marriages are toast after an affair. And most of those that survive take years of repentance, forgiveness, counseling, and healing to find any sort of restoration. Betrayal is a hard thing to overcome. The same goes for kids. If you have children, they'll be confused and hurt by your betrayal. Kids suffer special difficulty in cases of infidelity, because they're usually stuck in the middle, holding a burden no one should have to carry. Number five, it'll cost you friendships. Betrayal hurts all relationships, not just families. Don't be surprised if close friends pull away when news of your adultery gets out, which it will. Some will take the side of your spouse. Some will feel angry. Some will feel so angry and frustrated that they can't stand to be around you. Number six, it'll cost you your emotional health. People start affairs because they get an emotional charge out of a new relationship. It doesn't last. 
and the fallout is almost always emotionally damaging. The average affair lasts about six months, but the negative effects can last a lot longer. Number seven, it'll cost you your legacy. If the average affair lasts just six months, are you willing to trade that for the kinds of things your grandchildren will say about you? How will you be remembered when you're gone? Someone who loved and cherished his family or a disappointment? Do you want to be remembered as a person who loved his wife and was faithful to his family or as the one who squandered his legacy in a moment of indiscretion? And number eight, it might even cost you your soul. I don't need to go too far into this. If you're a Christian, you know adultery represents a serious spiritual peril. Betrayal, as I've said before, is the original sin, and it wreaks havoc in our hearts. God made us for fidelity, but we live in a fallen world, and we can't afford to be naive. Nothing will destroy our life and legacy faster than an affair. We must count the cost. Probably most people don't think about how extensive the consequences are for their actions, and particularly regarding a sin as heartbreaking and destructive as adultery. These eight reasons are more than enough for anyone to agree that the consequences of adultery are indeed dire and far-reaching, but many people don't think about them in the moment when they are tempted by lust for someone other than their spouse. In order to illustrate this section of Proverbs, I want to read two letters that were published on June 28th in 2001 in the Brainerd Dispatch, a local newspaper for the city of Brainerd, Minnesota. The letters are addressed to Abby, which is likely a pseudonym for the bulletin editor. The first letter reads, Dear Abby, I have a true story to tell. It's the story of a man who married his high school sweetheart. She supported him through college encouraged him to pursue a degree, and gave him two beautiful children. She became a wonderful mother. She never missed a ball game. She took the children to church. She worked full time and went without in order to give us more. And he, on the other hand, never helped around the house and became obsessed with his job. A female co-worker with a questionable reputation began to flirt, flatter, and confide in him about her inattentive husband. He allowed himself to be convinced an affair was justified, since his wife was so busy raising his children. Soon the affair became common knowledge. He had to leave his home and family, which suddenly seemed invaluable beyond belief. Abby, I traded everything important in life for a woman who's not fit to wipe my wife's shoes. Although I never strayed before, my reputation is ruined. My children will never again respect me. I'll be known for the rest of my life as someone who committed adultery and lied to everyone I know and love. If there is a man reading this who's considering following in my footsteps, I hope my letter makes him think twice. He should go home, help his wife, be part of his children's lives, and stop believing he should be the center of everyone's attention. If a married man is being tempted by another woman, I guarantee she's selfish and looking out for only her own needs. This is signed by Sadder But Wiser. Next, the second letter says, Dear Abby, two years ago, I met Liz, the woman of my dreams. My marriage of 1.5 years was rocky. 
Liz was ambitious, hardworking, exciting, and fun. Everything I thought my wife wasn't. Liz was an airline pilot. Over dinner, we told each other our tales of woe. I walked her to her car. She kissed me. Two hours later, I was an adulterer. Because we're both pilots, we could meet without suspicion during overnight layovers in other cities. We discussed marriage and children. I felt some guilt about what this would do to my one-year-old son. But the thought of divorcing my wife was surprisingly easy. After three months, Liz suddenly became cold and distant. She said she needed time to think things through. Several months later, I learned she was marrying a wealthy man she had met while we were involved. I was devastated. I'm now divorced. My ex and I are trying to reconcile, but it doesn't look good. If things don't work out, my desire to become involved with another woman is completely gone. The expensive lesson I learned is don't take the easy way out. If your marriage is unhappy, get professional help. Identify what's wrong before venturing down a destructive path. I have lost everything important to me. My son, the respect of my ex-wife, family, and friends and my own self-respect. I am reminded every time I look in the mirror. Signed by So Sorry in Southern California. In these letters, we see two men who realize the devastation that their choices cost them only after they committed adultery. Whatever the reason was that led them to choose to be unfaithful to their spouses, they both realize how terrible of a decision it was. Their regret is almost palpable as you read the letters. And I'm sure if they could, they would choose to go back in a heartbeat and do everything differently. They would make different choices. They would resist the temptation so as to not end up in the same trouble that they find themselves in now and suffering the pain of failure, disappointment, disgust, and anguish. They know better now, but now it's too late. What Solomon is trying to impress upon his son is to not learn what is good, right, and pleasing to Yahweh by making the mistakes and then learning from them. His whole point is that committing adultery has far-reaching effects that you can't undo. After it's done, it's too late now. You can't change what has been done, and you will suffer severely because of it. We need to learn the precious value of wisdom and how it can prevent us from experiencing some of the most awful pain and suffering in life. Let's not be like those who, after committing a sin, look back and say, I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have inclined my ear. I wish I was wiser back then for what I know now. This is the wisdom of the proverb. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Words of Wisdom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you would share this podcast with your friends. And if you have been blessed by this work, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking on the donation link in the description.